G'day Titans fans and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, a community-focused podcast where we're all here together, through and through, all around our mighty club, the Gold Coast Titans. My name is Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League column and I'm joined every week by my co-host Blaze from BKR Sport, otherwise known as the guy who's uh, there on the drums creating the best possible atmosphere <laughs> for all Titans fans, mate. How are you going? Look, I'm going all right, man. It was a good weekend, obviously, to finish off the season. We got a win in both the women's and the men's. Also, Burley, I guess, because it was a bye. So you did beat the bye. It's just the only one that was unfortunate was Tweeds not playing. But overall, man, yeah, no, it was a pretty good weekend. We had the, the girls, Shaylee Bent, Jamie Chapman, and Riley Jorgensen. They came over to the front line and got on the drums with us. They actually probably did better than what Tino Fasul Malawi, AJ Brimson, and uh, Tanner Boyd last year did. So, you know, next year the boys are going to have to try and match it up there. But no, it was a good round celebrating the members and really getting uh, back into the community, I guess. And to see the girls there in the front line, our NRW squad, that was that's just awesome. You don't really see that with too many sides. Um, and I think it does speak to the fact that the Titans players really do appreciate our support. The members event in Melbourne was awesome as well. And as a good positive feeling around the club. Uh, particularly with I will, say, I will say in regards to that as well, you know, they they really got amongst it. Like Shay Lee, Riley, mm. and Jamie got amongst it and actually stayed there for quite some time. They didn't just come do like a photo shoot and then leave. Like they actually genuinely stayed there. Obviously the, the cameras are around, that's always gonna happen, but they stayed there for for you know good 15, 20 minutes, you know, getting around the, the drums and the chants and uh, and you'll see that on the vlog as well. Obviously, you'll see it on the Titans Instagram and whatnot, but we have plenty of action on the vlog on BKR Sports. So, you know, it just shows how much that the, um, you know, the girls do care and the boys do care because they did it last year as well. We can't forget about what they did during the women's game. It just shows that we are a community-based club and, and I will maintain this consistently. I will maintain that we have the best support for an NRLW team in the competition. You do not see the kind of atmosphere at NRLW games around the competition like you do at Seabus Super Stadium. We get the drums out, we're chanting. I, like, I haven't been able to watch the game back yet, but surely you'd be able to hear us on the drums. You could hear. You could. You could certainly hear. Uh, I want to put you on the spot here with a quick question. Do you prefer with our double headers at Seabus, men first, females next, or would you prefer we start with NRLW and then go to the men's? I think it probably is best that we still do the women's beforehand than the men's after because... People are still getting used to the NRLW. They're still getting used to getting into the team, right? So with the men's coming second, the uh, fan base is able to come earlier and watch that, and then it goes into the men's game, and then they obviously go home afterwards. As we found out last year when the women's game was on after the men's, most of the people actually left right after the men's because people aren't really investing into the women's game just yet. So I think it's been a really good, uh, that was a really good game there to, to push. And it's been throughout this season to push that support through the early comers to the game. They then watch it. They realize our team's pretty good right now. We're in third position and then they invest into it. So next week or this week, sorry, we do have a double header at home, which we'll obviously speak about later in the podcast. But I, I think for right this second before and then, and then the, the main game, but I think eventually maybe you could see it happening afterwards as well yeah there's potential either way i think the club has now trialed each way so they'll certainly make that decision next year and hopefully we get a few more double headers we'll jump into our titans news segment really really quite weak i suppose the most significant news with our nrl men's side wrapping up is that fuimayano has been named in the reserves of our nrlw uh, team list but we'll certainly touch on that more so when we get to our predictions uh we will start with our nrlw review and of course we did defeat the west tigers 16 to 4 a 12-point victory at Seabus Super Stadium, our biggest winning margin of the season so far. 
and a really important win, particularly when you consider, I suppose, as respectfully as I can say, we've got the Eels next week, which is a pretty winnable game. So it gives us a chance to really build this winning streak into the finals. I'm really excited at the moment with our NRLW side. Uh, how was this one at the uh, their live rather? And uh, your thoughts on the game, please? Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was it was really good to see the amount of people that were out there. I think that obviously when there's not many people, I think I might have said this last week too, when there's not many people in attendance at the game yet, like obviously we're still building the NRLW crowd, but when there's not a great deal of attendance there, you can really hear the reverberation around the ground of, of the drums and the front line and the people around us getting involved in the chant. So it was quite loud during the game. And, and, and just a quick little funny story. Uh, you know, the Tigers, I think it was in like the 30 or 35th minute, they passed the ball over our sideline. They were right in front of us. And the number five for the Tigers, I, I yelled out, oh, I'm not playing, you can't pass the ball to me. Something really simple, just simple banter. I have never received a more filthy death stare in my life. Like, I got absolutely, I got annihilated by a death stare in that number five. But yeah. it's all part of the game, man. You know, we obviously get get into the banter with the men's and we get into the banter with women's and it, it, it makes it really fun there. And uh, obviously, we did win the game, which keeps us in the hunt for a home final. And that's the main thing that I really want to focus on is that, you know, as we'll talk about today, the Knights play the Roosters this week, I believe, and we've got a game against the Eels. We've just come off a win against the Titan, uh, of, against the Tigers. So, you know, hopefully we can build off of this win and, uh, you know, really maintain a push for a home final, which will be great at Seabus. I don't think we've ever had one there before. Uh, be great at Seabus. And, uh, yeah, look, I was happy with the result. And we do have, a I believe, a 60% win record at Seabus in our NRLW. I think we win this week. That'll increase that number because we are only talking a much smaller, I suppose, portion size than the NRL there. Um, I'll be honest, going into halftime at this, we were up 6-4, but my gut feeling still said the Tigers were in this. I didn't feel like they were out of the game, and I certainly didn't feel like we'd wrapped it up. I did love our start to both halves. We did score a try in the opening 10 minutes of both halves. Um, and again, concerning, I hate to speak about it. I feel like a broken record, but I've got to go to our completion rate. That drops to 67%. We had it up around 80% in the last few weeks, and you know, I don't want to harp on a negative, but that is something that we really want to have really secure before we get into the finals. Because if you down that low completion rate against a, a worthy adversary in the Knights or Roosters, we're just not going to give ourselves a chance. So it is very important we continue to improve on that. But defensively, and I love to finish on a positive because you cannot give a bigger praise than this. We only missed 11 tackles to the Tigers, 48, which is wow. that, that's massive. You, you don't really see only 11 missed yeah. tackles at the professional level in rugby league. Um, it was a game where we had to win. The effort was there. We did get the win. And you can't ask for more than that. I could nitpick and find little areas, but a win's a win. As I said, it's as simple as that. And I'm really, really proud of this side and how they're traveling at the moment. Anything else from you before we move into our 3-2-1s for this one? I think the thing that really kind of, you know, continues for me is the fact that, you know, it was great to win that game by 12 points, and it did help us go from minus 20 to minus 8. But we are still in third with a minus 8, which is still that worrying sign. And we are, we are still on the 100 points for exactly 100 points for which is the second worst for attack in the competition, which is only 14 points better than the Parramatta Eels we play this week. So the attack is still, you know, something that we are a little bit concerned about. At least we got the 18 points there, which is good. Uh, but it just seems like that completion rate that you also talk about is, is really impacting us in regards to how many points that we can score. But again, in regards to defense, we are pretty damn well good. We are third best in the competition for defense. 
very close to being second best in the competition for defense because the Knights, they've given up 107, the Titans, we've given up 108. So it's only one point extra that we've given up in the the competition this year, which is a really good sign. So uh, look, I, I think that... We need to keep winning because we need to keep the Broncos at bay. And with those two teams playing each other, that's obviously the two teams above us. That can put us up onto them. But again, that points differential is something that we've really got to fix. So hopefully we can do that this week. But look, overall, man, yeah, in, uh, the completion rate is really frustrating. The uh, attack can be frustrating at times. But the main thing is, if we can get the win and we can solidify ourselves a spot in that top four uh, coming to finals, especially with that stat that I didn't even know about, 60% um, record at CBUS, you know, we've got a chance. We've got a chance. But look, the Roosters do look pretty good, though, so we really need to start turning things around pretty quickly. Yeah, Roosters are going to be the toughest side of anyone to beat in this competition, in my opinion. I don't think that's a bold take at all. You are right. I'd love to see the Broncos lose just to give us that uh, that one-game buffer there on the ladder because they do have a, a four and a gangs that would be difficult for us to chase down. They need to lose by, let's say, roughly 30, and we need to win by 20 um, for it to happen. So it's, yeah, it, it's going to be difficult. But let's jump into our 3 2 one. So I'll kick us off with my three points. I don't think this comes as a shock to anyone. It has to be Shannon Mato. 286 metres, becoming just the second NRLW player to ever record over 250 in a single game, um, the other being Samama Taufa while she was at the Eels. 126 of those metres came post-contact, four tackle breaks, where it gets even more impressive, 26 tackles with zero missed. In my opinion, that was the best game I've seen from an NRLW forward this year. Who gets your three points and would you agree with that assessment? I definitely agree with that assessment. Shannon Mato was absolutely phenomenal. Like 286 meters is a ridiculous amount. Like that is absolutely ridiculous. And you know she's been one of our best players all season. And as we say each and every single week, the the real key area of our Titans women's team is our forwards of Shannon Mato, Jessica Elliston, obviously Georgia Hale, Shaylee Bent, Zara Canfield. You know we've got a great bench as well. Riley Jorgensen comes off the bench and and amongst others. And we've just really got a good focus on leading from the front of that forward pack and Shannon Marto was an absolutely exceptional point of, of focus in regards to that. Like you said, 286 meters with 126 post contact meters and four tackle breaks and 26 tackles with zero miss. That's ridiculous. That is that is a ridiculous amount in such a good way. So yeah, very happy with her performance and uh, you know I think that it just sets us up for a good sign that even if, like one game Jessica Ellison will be absolutely phenomenal and then, then the next game will be Shannon Mato, then it'll be back to Jessica Ellison and Shannon Mato and when it's the kind of in-between game for say it's Ellison's game and Mato Mato's still doing it at a quality level but then you've got the, the level of Elliston. And then when it swaps around and Elliston's here and Shanamato goes up here, it's like it's not like we have this massive drop-off um, in in between. So it's uh, it's really good signs there for our four-pack, and, and I'm loving every bit of it. For my two points, I'm going to have to go to the woman that I gave as my MVP preseason and also the woman who was honestly unbelievable in this game again. You know, she had a try, and immediately, immediately when, I, when, when she scored that try... I thought of you, Gargi, because obviously we uh, we had that we, we did our prediction for the MVP uh, of the game last week, and when she scored that try, I was like, "Oh, Clark, you love that," because obviously we uh, we, <laughs> we were speaking about who we thought would be the best player. Uh, but yeah, she she obviously ran for 136 meters, which is phenomenal. And just look at the amount of tackles that she made, man. Like 49 tackles again. It is absolutely ridiculous how good Georgia Hale is in regards to defense, in regards to pushing, and in regards to leading from the front. Um, and in, in regards to fancy points, would have had the most fancy points in the game, which is 86. So 
um, you know, get that NRLW fancy going because I really would love to play it because Georgia Hale would be my captain probably nearly every week. It's like in the women's game, you actually find that it is the forwards who score more points than the backs. But obviously in the men's game, you're looking more so at the backs and the forwards. So uh, Georgia Hale having an unbelievable season, man. Um, it, it just is something that I really, really enjoy uh, to, to watch a leader like Georgia Hale. Georgia Hale, 333 tackles this year for two missed with an efficiency rating of 99.4%. So that also includes if she was to be making ineffective tackles, which means she's winning the ruck, averaging 100 metres. I can't stress enough to all of our Titans listeners, these, they, they, those stats defensively are dead set unheard of in any level of professional rugby league, union, you name it. That is... This is like a once-in-a-lifetime season if Georgia can keep this up, and we need to celebrate how important she is. Naturally, she gets my two points as well. Uh, I did have a, a little note in here saying, is she the new Tanner question mark? Now, people are saying, what's the correlation <laughs> here? Now, do you like to say Tanner never misses in relation to goals? Uh, I'm going to jump yes. on that train. <laughs> Tanner doesn't train. miss. Tanner does not miss. And fun fact for you, Tommy Weaver also does not miss. He's 100% still. Tanner doesn't miss. I know the correlation, so you continue. But just letting everyone know, Tanner doesn't miss. And that's our, that's our challenge for our listeners here. If you do go to Seabus for our game against the Eels, I want to see a sign make it on the on the broadcast that has <laughs> Tanner crossed out, Tommy crossed out, and then just Georgia scribbled, does not miss. If mm. I see that sign on telly, just know you will have made my absolute week. That would be. You have to share it on your Instagram. You, you, we, we both oh. actually have to share this on yep. the Instagram if we see this. And just, yeah, I think that just to make sure that people are aware, he is referring to the fact that obviously Georgia Howell just doesn't miss tackles, man, and Tanner obviously doesn't miss kicks because it's true. It is true. So get the signs going. Get the signs going. Maybe I should get a sign, then I can get a shout out on the Clarky, uh, the Clarky <laughs> Instagram. Now that's cheating, but it would be fun to see you shout yourself out in your own Instagram. What about this legend? <laughs> a photo of yourself uh, my one point is uh goes to polite she had one try 200 meters was forced to make some pretty important tackles since she came up with zero misses and zero errors so just an all-round brilliant game uh, i did expect her to be our mvp in this one got it slightly wrong marto and hale i do have ahead but make no mistake she was still absolutely brilliant there for us who gets your one point I think that, look, I need to give... Okay, so Ivana Politi, she's absolutely getting my one point. I thought she was fantastic, as you just said. She did have that try. She had an unbelievable amount of metres. Uh, and it, honestly, post-contact metres, 72, line break one. She had a great game. She gets my one point, but you've obviously covered that. I want to give a shout here to a player that probably wouldn't normally get mentioned, and that's Karina Brown on the wing there for the Titans women. Uh, honestly, she was unbelievable even without a try. She had 16 runs for 159 metres. So she was 40 off Ivanya Politi there with the same amount of runs. Um, but, you know, she's also kind of equaling just a little bit shorter this is why i haven't been able to give karina brown that at that point over polites because the the stats are very similar here uh between the two but police just edges it a little bit more but karina brown 16 runs 159 run meters um you know she had 43 post contact meters one line break three tackle breaks as well um you know dummy half run meters she got 80 from which was brilliant as well um, yeah, look, I thought that she did good, you know? I thought she did really, really good. So very happy with uh, with Karina Brown, and she'll get the honourable mention, but I do still have to give it to Ivania Politi for my one point. The reason why those 80 metres from, from dummy half is so impressive is 
they're not kick return meters where you're getting that free 10 or 20 meters if the kick's not strong. You're literally straight from dummy half running past the markers, uh, meeting the defenders there. So that that's really impressive there. Um, Emily Bass's shoulder injury is still listed as indefinite. I've not seen any updates on that, but fingers crossed uh, she can make it back. Very similar player to Karina Brown in offering those important set starts and meters for us. Let's cast our eye into the future for our NRLW preview. We're against the Eels this round at Seabus Super Stadium, Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Now, the Eels, they are last place. They've only won one game this year. That was against the Cowboys, who we have previously beaten. Their points differential sits at minus 134. Um, so being as respectful as possible to the Eels, for me, this does loom as an extremely winnable game and probably the easiest one we'll have all year. Uh, how do you break this one down? Do you see it that way as well? We have to win this game. It's not a we can we win this game or we should win this game. We have to win this game because, again, we do have the Bronx on our heels right now. They're just getting that little sniff going. They're just waiting for that moment to pounce, and then they will pounce. So this is a must-win game for us, considering if we believe that we're a good team this year and we believe that we can challenge the Roosters and the Knights, and if you want to go and throw the Broncos in there, even though we're above them, uh, you know, we have to beat a team that is in last position right now. And with all things granted, they did make the grand final last year, but they're also just not as good this year. They're nowhere near as good. They're in 10th. They've given up 220 points this season. Their defense is just honestly awful. And comparatively to us with a 108 against us, right? So we've actually conceded 102 less points than what the Eels have conceded. And then you go in regards to scored, we've scored 100, they've scored 86. So we're, we're actually both um, we're actually both the worst attacking team for the competition based on that stat. Um, but then we obviously do make it up significantly in the defensive department. So there's no way that I believe that we should be losing this game. I look at the team lineups in, and, and compare the two. Ivanya Politi taking on Abby Church. I'm taking Politi every day of the week. You've got Karina Brown and Destiny Minas in a party who I believe has been really good this season going up against Kimberly Hunt and Zali Fay. I'm taking our wingers there for sure. You don't even want to hear about my center comparison. Jamie Chapman and Niall Williams Guthrie up against Lindsay Tui and Cassie Tohihiku. I am taking our women's girls as, as well. So taking... Hufunga must be out then. That was the, the Broncos center that scored five tries in that game. Is she there in the centers or is she out? That's Hufunga, a huge isn't, out. Isn't, isn't Hufunga the one who plays the Broncos? Oh, I've got the wrong person. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at the Broncos draw <laughs> here. My bad. I've, let's just cut this part out. I've got the Broncos draw here in front of me, and I've got who they've coming up against, and I've got the team lists up. So when, when you were reading them out, I was like, hold on, and I just I mixed myself up. Mate, so, we uh, are, we're, we're keeping this in there because it was funny. <laughs> out, <so. laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay. Can I, am I allowed to get back to uh, comparing the Titans and Eels, not the Titans and Broncos, Clark? Is that okay with you? All right. Let, let's do a 3-2-1 to get us back in. 3-2-1. Now, you're probably wondering why Blaze is laughing and we're cutting back into this. Blaze, I'm going to give you the floor straight back. I'm going to give the floor to someone who actually knows which team mm. NRLW players play for because I clearly do not with my silly interjection that I sincerely hope you edit out. And I'll be bitterly disappointed if you don't. Over to you. Continue team comparisons, please. All right. We'll prepare for the disappointment, but just not in regards to this game. Prepare for the disappointment, but not in regards to the game. So going back to the center battle, I'm taking our centers. 
which does not include going up against Hufunga. Uh, going into the 5-8 department, Shante Kedaratu uh, against Puhuka Berryman-Duff. And then in the halfback, we've got Lauren Brown up against Rachel Pearson, who's the captain. Look, I think Rachel Pearson is good, but I do think that Shante Kedaratu and Lauren Brown actually have been working quite well together in the last few weeks. I think that ever since Lauren Brown's come in, and again, it just came down to Sienna Lafippa, who is on our bench, and Shante Kedaratu being at similar points in their career. Lauren Brown's come in, and it's very obvious that the experience has helped there. I give our halves battle the win again. Front row forwards of Jessica Ellison and Shannon Mato against Talisha O'Neill and Tyler Amiatu. Look, every day of the week, I am taking our front row forwards, especially after the 286 run meters that Shannon Mato just got and the comparison that I was talking about with Jessica Elliston. Brittany Bralinardi up against Ruben Charrington. I'm taking Brittany Bralinardi due to the experience. Ruben Charrington's still quite young, uh, but Brittany Bralinardi is absolutely fantastic there in the hooker department. Uh, so it really has been a good like for like in regards to Lauren Brown moving to the halves to help that situation whilst we've had Talia Fuimaona out. And then Brittany Bralinardi coming to that hooker. Even though Bralinardi was actually kind of our hooker beforehand and Lauren Brown was coming off the bench as like a Harry Grant, Ben Hunt kind of comparison there. Uh, but then ultimately, we decided to put Lauren Brown in the halves and it's been working out. Uh, back row of Shaylee Bent and Zara Canfield. Shaylee Bent is just such an unreal X-factor, man. And we're going up against Mahalia Murphy and Amelia Murphy. I actually know Mahalia from back in her seventh stage. She was actually on the, the BCast Sport vlogs before. Uh, but I still give it to our girls. Again, and then Kennedy Sherrington is actually back here for the years. I think this is her first game back since the suspension. But she's going up against Georgia Hale. She's going up against our captain, Georgia Hale, who is just crushing the competition in regards to defense this season. So I give it to Georgia Hale. Like, honestly. And then you've got Riley Jorgensen coming off the bench with a massive hit. Steph Hancock, she just absolutely runs the ball hard. Danny Paresi and Sienna Lafippo going up against Taneka Todhunter, Noaria Kapua, Ruby Jean Kennedy-Ellis, and Jade Fanua. I'm taking our women's team. I'm taking our women's team with 13+. Plus. I'm confident we win this game and we really kick off a, a massive push for a home final that would be amazing to have at Seabass to really give our girls a good push going to the finals. I really agree with everything you said there. For what it's worth, although this is an extremely winnable game, the Broncos have the Tigers and Dragons to remain this year. So it's almost as if to say, we can't look too far into the head. We need to still be very focused on this game and make sure we get the win at all costs. I can see Fuimayano is named in the reserves. Having her return for us would be a boost beyond anything I could measure here. But I would say it would almost certainly lock in a 13-plus victory. And, of course, as you said, the Eels do welcome back Kennedy Charrington from suspension. And she is a world-class forward. But I still think with her there or that, we've still got just too much for this for this Eels side. This game for me is exactly – I'm going to say exactly what I said last week with our NRL side against the Bulldogs. We just have to win. They're not in the same league as us. They're not in the same class as us, and we need to win. Defense needs to be the key focus for us in this one. We have scored only 14 more points than them this year, and they have shown, given the fact that we have scored only 14 more, they can score points, but they have conceded more than double the points we have. So if our defense is in order and we get that squared up nice and early, I'm more than confident we win this one. I'm more than confident we run away with it. And I'm extremely confident in a Titans 13-plus victory. That's my final prediction. Any early thoughts for you for an MVP try scorer? Any other predictions you want to throw out there? Just one more question here. Is this the last round? Because on NRL.com, it's not letting me look at the next... I think... The... Is this the last round? One more. We're against the Raiders down here in Canberra. Oh, that's right. Oh, you're down here in Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, I think that... Look, if I'm looking at an MVP here... Um... Oh, let me go have a look throughout this lineup. I think to look at an MVP, 
I'm going to say it's going to be someone from the back line. I'm going to go Jamie Chapman. I'm going to say Chapo gets a good uh, good game in here and tears apart an Eels defense that is just you know not up to scratch. It, again, they have conceded 112 more points than we have given up this season. And I think that Jamie Chapman can expose this. She's a New South Wales center. She's a brilliant player. And I think that it's going to be Chapo who gets the job done here. And I do think that overall, it is going to be 13 plus here to the Titans. I'm very confident in it. We're going to have the home crowd. Guys, you need to get out here to this game. We don't have a men's game, obviously, but we do have a women's game beforehand because it is a double header. Let me just clarify which um, which team it is. It is the Cowboys taking on the Raiders at Seabus Super Stadium as well at 11.30. So come and sit with the front line, man. We'll be in the same section as we always are. The drums will be pumping. We're going to have the, the Coke Zero flowing, you know, and we're going to get the banter going. So get down to Seabus. We'll be on the uh, eastern side. It's going to be a great time, but I believe we win 13+, plus, and I believe Chapo is going to have a brilliant game. Love that prediction, and everyone there in the front line, make sure to sledge the Raiders after it, and just mess with their head a little bit before we get down here and uh, and give them a little bit of a pizzling as well. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that term before. It may, It's not a disrespectful term. It just means smash them. But it does sound a little bit ex explicit. I just love uh, how you move. told us to, to to sledge the Raiders, not the Eels, when we're playing the Eels. I know we play the Raiders next week, but it's just like... Well, I'm, we no, want to get the Raiders' heads early. Yeah, look, I may as well, considering we don't play in that game. But it would be quite funny, though, because if they're playing the Cowboys... And then they've just got some guy just like sledging them from the sideline. And they're just like, you're a Titans fan. Why are you sledging us? Well, now you know, Raiders. Now you know. And for Jacko, who said stop insulting Canberra, well, Canberra sucks, mate. So, <laughs> so take that, Jacko. Take that, Clarkie. Take that, Canberra. But also, let's stop thinking about next week. Let's start thinking about Parramatta. Well, Parramatta doesn't matter. Parramatta doesn't matter. I'll make no comment on Canberra as a location for fear of being uh, slammed on Twitter. Or X, as it is now called. NRL recap, let's jump into it. A big win against the Doggies. Well, maybe not a big win, but certainly an important win. We defeat the Bulldogs 34-30. to For me, it was just a must-win game, just to give us a bit of an exclamation mark, or maybe a happy exit from an otherwise disappointing season when we do finish bottom four. But, you know, we finished the season off on a positive note and we all look forward to the future under Des Hasler. How was the atmosphere for this one and how did you see it at the stadium? Yeah, look, I think that before I get into it here, I might inter interject and put the David Fafida interview because we did have a, an interview with, with David Fafida after the game. So we'll let that one play now. I'm here with my boy Dave Fafida. You guys know how much I love this guy. I defend him every week. He's a good man. Obviously, Titans, we finished with the season. Have yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, um, you know, obviously... Um, we wanted to finish um, on a um, high note, mate. Um, get the win for our fans and um, our members. And yeah. Um, yeah, mate, not the ideal season, you know, um, for all of us boys and our, our staff, um, you know, um, not where we wanted to be. But it's good to just, um, you know, it's all over now. We can reflect and, um, you know, get into um, the new year and all that stuff and stuff and get into pre-season. Tumultuous year, man. Obviously, yeah. you've been, a lot of well, stuff has gone on, on, but, you know, next year we've got Desi coming in. Yeah. We've got a lot of re-signings. Are you confident we're going to be uh, pushing up there next year? Oh, every, every year, mate, you know, I'm always confident. I'm just, yeah, excited to um, get into pre-season stuff like that but firstly I can you know reflect on the year that I've had and all the boys and just um, enjoy the time off and um, get into yeah. November and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. all that type of stuff and, yeah, but yeah look I think that overall man it was it was a really fun game to be a part of now this one for me meant a lot because I, I was really heavily abused down at a core for our earlier season game which we will not talk about so I really wanted to win this game man it was really important and I think it was really important for the team as well we've had a really hard couple of games recently you know we've played 
played teams like the Panthers. We've played the Storm. Uh, you know, we've played the, the Roosters when they've come into some really great form. Uh, you know, the Cowboys, he might not want to include there, but still a team that was competing for the A. And we actually, funnily enough, are the ones that ultimately ended the Cowboys season, if you think about it. But overall, I'm just so happy for Kieran Vaughan. Like, three tries. That's the first time he's ever scored a hat-trick. He's 33 years old. Now, obviously, I know Foz, and I see him after every single game, and I, I can just... I can tell you guys that he feels it in his body really heavily. You know, he's, he's no young pup anymore. He's no 20-year-old, you know, uh, absolute electric magician. But you would have been, uh, it wouldn't have been surprising if he had told he was 20 on the weekend because he was just absolutely flying here, there, and everywhere. And that's the player that we needed. Now, look, people are going to look at 34 to 30 and say, hey, listen, Titans didn't do well enough. The Bulldogs are awful. Why would you allow that to happen? Well, guess what? That's basically a full-strength Bulldogs team. Now, let me tell you the players that we had out. We had no Jaden Campbell. We had no Jojo Fafita. We had no Tanner Boyd. Um, we had no uh, Sammy Verrills. We had obviously no Bowie Firma. Uh, we had no Chrissy Randall. Um, you know, and the list goes on. No Aaron Clark. No Isaac Liu. So look at that scoreline and tell me that there isn't a team there because we still scored 34 points basically with a B-squad Titans team, if you want to call that. And due to the amount of injuries, you could even make an argument for C-squad Titans team. And that's no insult to the players that we have. It's just that when you're talking about overall what kind of team you can put out there and who you would ideally be looking at, the fact of the matter is, is that you have an A team, you have a B team, and you have a C team. And if you take a couple plays out, you class it as your B, you take a whole heap out, and you class it as your C. And yet we still won this game against the Dogs, and we could have gone on with it, but it was just so evident and clear this game realistically didn't mean a whole great deal. We kept going up by 12, and then it would go half to 6. And then up to 12, and then 6, and then 12, and then 6. And then they actually equaled it, took away that try, which was a knock-on for them, and then we just kept on moving back and forth like that. The only reason the scoreline looks as close as it did is because Tanner just kind of threw a rando ball in the 79th minute. So, look, I'm more impressed with this than most people would be. Um, as With all our outs, with the season we've had, uh, you know, I was happy for Cruz leaving, considering that was his final game for the club. I think he's actually been exceptional in recent weeks. Could make an error here and there, but overall, I'll be looking forward to seeing him. I believe it is at Wigan next year in the Super League. Uh, but he scored a try, and um, yeah, look, I, I, I liked it. The atmosphere was good. Hot day. Again, like I said, we had the Shaley Bent, Jamie Chapman, and um, Riley Jorgensen in the, in the front line with us, which was great. It was a hot day, uh, but loved it. Loved every moment of it. So good to end the season on a win. That's it. And I think for the members' appreciation round, that was the most important thing. Just ensuring we finished on a win. How it come, whether it was by 50 points, like it was a few years ago against the Warriors in the final round, or whether it was uh, four points here in this instance, the fact we did only finish one ladder position higher than the Bulldogs is somewhat disappointing then uh, to me. And the fact that they beat us earlier in this year was even more disappointing. Um, I just don't view the Bulldogs anywhere near the same class as us. For them to be anywhere near us on the ladder, it irks me a little bit. But we got the win here and corrected that wrong. Um, thankfully, I was really happy we were up at halftime, 18 to 6. Our last 10 minutes was a little bit sloppy, allowing the Bulldogs to score that too. But ultimately, we aren't playing finals next week. The scoreline in the end doesn't matter at all. A win by a larger margin here could have pushed us out of the bottom four and into 13th. But I think we're kind of playing with semantics there if we read into that too much. I mean, you play footy to play finals, right? Not to finish 13th instead of 14th. Um, but I, I do have a bit of an upsetting stat that I think uh, I've got correct here. So that is our 10th season, Blaze, finishing in the bottom four out of 17 seasons, which is naturally disappointing. It is what it is. 
but ultimately in this game, we outperform the Bulldogs statistically in every single area. There's just no need to be negative when a win's a win. So great job here, lads. And if you're ready, we'll move on to our three, two, ones, or it looks like you've got something to say. Yeah, no, I think I just kind of refocus on on what you just said there and say, yeah, that's that's a tough one to see. And and as we've yeah. discussed before in the podcast, we've we've also said that you know, look, um, we've won one finals game in our history, which was in 2010 against the Warriors. And funnily enough, that's the favorite game I've ever watched for the Titans. Uh, but <laughs> no surprises there because it was the only finals game we've won, uh, and very close game against the Warriors before they went on a 10 year like spree against our club. Look, it. it it is very hard being a Titans fan, but I also just want to reiterate here quickly before we move into our three two ones that this was a very tough year for very different circumstances to what has happened in the past. In the middle of the season, we had Justin Holbrook getting sacked. Now, look, we look back on it now, and it was the right decision. I love Justin as a bloke. Everyone loves Justin as a bloke, but it was the right decision, and Desi Hasler is an extremely exciting signing for next season and beyond, and he has been around the club for weeks and weeks and weeks. Apparently, he was in Melbourne with us as well, Um, but he has been around the club. You know, we had the Tino and we had the Dave situation. We have had all these injuries. Jimmy Giles has been out for the majority of the season. Sammy Verrill has been out for the majority of the season. Foz has been in and out. AJ has been in and out. You know, we've had Jojo pretty much out for the season. We've had Tino out. We've had, um, you know, all these guys. Tanner has been obviously out now, but in the same sense, he played for most of it. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have had an extremely tumultuous season where we've never really been able to put a full team on the park. I remember at one stage we had eight or nine of our starting 13 out of the team. So... You know, I know that a lot of people are going to kind of look at the look at the fact that we have still finished in the bottom four again. And whilst that's a, a stat, it's not wrong. It, it is right. I do think that this year is a bit of a grace year. Last year, not a grace year. Other years, 2019, every other year in the 2010s, not a grace year. But this year was absolutely a grace year for the fact that there has been so much tumultuous up and downs, you know, plus the addition of a new team. Plus, we've also, you look at some of those games, look at the Raiders game, you look at the Eels game, you look at um, so many of these games, and there's extremely controversial calls where the NRL will either admit it or they'll kind of sweep it under the carpet, but still know that it was the wrong call. Fact of the matter is, give it some grace. Understand that this has been a tumultuous season. Next year, we're gonna we're gonna really be on the up. We're really gonna show that this team does have the talent and put a full team on the on the court. We competed with the Panthers. We competed with the Warriors. We competed with the Storm for the most part. I'm telling you, we've got a good team here. And I was going through our injuries while you were speaking there. There's probably too much to jump into here. It's probably more appropriate for um, a full review of our NRL well, season. We'll do, which I'm we're, definitely... we're doing the review next next week, aren't we? Yeah, which we'll lock in you guys because. I'm sure everyone's uh, very keen to hear. And, of course, the Q&A section will really be opened up for that one because we definitely want to hear what you've got to say. But even suspensions-wise, like this is a season where we also lost Kelly, Chris Randall, Tino, uh, and Fodawaker, all at stages as well, which are all of our key players. So very, very disrupted season. Let's jump into our three, two, ones. I'll go first, but I don't think anyone's going to be surprised again. It's Mr. Hattrick himself, Kieran Foran, first Hattrick of his young career, uh, but what really impressed me, and this kind of flew under the radar for myself, I didn't notice this at all, he had 24 tackles, which I believe is the second most on our team, only second to Tino. So clearly the Bulldogs were trying to attack him and, and they thought they had a defensive weakness there. They were wrong and they also weren't prepared for a hat-trick. So get that up, yeah. Go Kieran Foran. Um, who gets your three points? It has to go to the Foz. It has to go to the, the, the Foz man. We love the Foz man. He was incredible, man. You know, uh, had three line breaks, which obviously he scored the three tries. 146 run meters in total. 
Um, had six tackle breaks, which is brilliant. Average play, the ball speed was 2.88 seconds, which means he was playing that ball fast. Actually, faster than anybody else on the team. The next best was 2.9 seconds for Cruz Leaming. So Foz was actually 0.2 of a second faster than um, than our hooker there in regards to the play, average play, the ball speed. He was the fastest on the team. So very happy with that. Means he's really going quickly. He's keeping them on their feet. They don't know what's happening. Uh, five dummy passes there. Um, you know, he was just really good in so many different areas. And for a guy who, let's remember, is 33 years old, the, the work ethic that this man has, and I will personally, personally back this in, the work ethic that this man has is absolutely exceptional to this team. You know, 24 tackles made, which he is beating out young guys. You know, and this is not to call anybody out here. This is not a negative at all. But Kieran Foran is beating out, you know, the likes of... Um, the likes of Cleese Haas, the, the likes of... He's only two less than Tino, you know, one of one of our best players. Moeke Fodawaka with 20, um, he's beaten out. Dave Fafita with 16, Jimmy Jolliffe with 19. Kieran Foran, 33-year-old Kieran Foran, is smacking out 24 tackles there. So, you know, again, that's not to call any other player. It's just how impressive Kieran Foran was in this game. In regards to the two points, I think it's pretty obvious here. We're going to have to go with the big Tino for Asul Malawi. And that's every single week, man. He's got, he, he played for 69 minutes. Um, which is absolutely phenomenal. Again, same as what he did against Melbourne, I guess. Um, you know, 21 runs for 217 metres is absolutely fantastic. Only second to the likes of Keanu Kinney, who had 227 points. We'll get into him in a second. Uh, but 217 run metres is just same old, same old Tino. It's incredible. But 105 for post-contact metres. Like, you just can't stop this man. It's absolutely brilliant. Four tackle breaks, uh, 21 hit-ups there. Um, four offloads, which really you do love to see. And then, yeah, the 26 tackles with only one missed. You've got to appreciate what he's doing. And kicks the fuse. He actually had a kick the fuse there for, as well for one. So, had the error. But overall, again, another phenomenal performance by our captain, Tino Fasulalali. Yeah, the skipper, he gets my two points as well. 26 tackles, which is the most of anyone on our team. And he also had more than 10 runs of any other forward. So, this is a guy that certainly leads by example. And he lets his actions do the talking and everything he does. Kieran Foran gets the three points. Tino gets the two. Why this is so important is now Ben Hunt has publicly come out this week and said, I will be at the Dragons next year, which ends the speculation around him potentially joining our club. So we will need experienced leaders in Kieran Foran next year and a skipper like Tino to keep doing the job and keep turning up, which he's done every single time he's played this year. My one point, I was really, 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 really tough to give this one out, actually. I went AJ Brimson. And I did see on a podcast this week, He's not too keen to play in the centres. He does prefer fullback, he said, where he can positively impact um, our sets of six and have more more control over how we play. But at centre, he had one try, one try assist, 136 metres and five tackle breaks, two line breaks as well, which I just thought was really, really great signs given that's not his usual position. He's only been there recently and he's already showing really good ability to adjust into a potential new position in 2024. Who gets your one point? I want to give an honourable mention to the Brimdog Millionaire because, and, and honestly, you could definitely say that he gets the one point. But look, I thought that AJ was very, very good in the fact that he did change positions. Obviously, he was in the centres. And then as me immediately, when he came back into the middle of the field and got the hands on the ball more, that's when he broke through the defence and scored that try, which... You know, provides that conundrum yet again. We need to kind of have him with the ball and somewhere in the middle. But obviously, it's very difficult to do that with the kind of depth that we have right now and the fact that we do want JC there. 
And we do have Kieran Foran now as a 5'8", but now we've got Tommy Weaver coming through, who's a warrior, mind you, with what he went through on the weekend. We've also got Tan Boyd, you know, Tanner, he's absolutely crushing it as well. So it's really, really hard to fit AJ into that area unless you do take JC and keep him in that 14 role. Uh, but yeah, look, he had a phenomenal game. I'm going to give him my honorable mention. The reason why I'm only giving you an honorable mention is because I want to shout out Keanu Kinney. I think that he has really been dealt a, a tough hand, a real tough hand in regards to you know getting his cracks this year. But I don't think that he has shown a bad light whilst doing it. That's why he has to get that point. You know, Keanu Kenny has come up against teams like the Panthers, against, I guess, did he play the Warriors? I'm not too sure. But he had the Panthers, he's had the Eels, um, he's had the, uh, obviously, the, the Storm as well. Uh, there's just been a lot of really solid teams that he's had to come up against. I think it was even the Rabbitohs that he might have had to have a crack as well. But fact is, Keanu is a talent man. 227 run meters from 28 runs in total. Had 70 return meters. Uh, 62 was post-contact meters. So look at the size of Keanu and look at the, the, the body that he's real pushing with. And yeah, he's still getting 62 post-contact meters and had the line break as well. Uh, the only criticism that I may have is that sometimes it takes him a little bit too long to pick up the ball from the kicks. Like, it just seems like it's a little bit awkward. And I think that's just him getting adjusted to the NRL game and trying to figure out what he's going to do next. But overall, like, honestly, he's he's been brilliant. He had six tackle breaks. Now, this guy is really, really young. And he's coming into a team that has a ridiculous amount of depth in the position. But it, 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 honestly, he, he looks like he could be another one to provide a conundrum. Maybe you tack him onto the wing, but then again, we have wingers here. So where do you put him? I don't know, but Keanu Kenny gets my one point. That's a great call. And I think Keanu, in his last few games this year, has certainly locked himself in as the depth option for any time we need a 14 or if we need a fullback. And then, of course, there's other options where JC could play six. That could open up the fullback role. There's a few different uh, things that could happen as injuries and suspensions pan out in our 2024 season. Um, but Kinney has put himself in the frame as well as he could with the opportunities being given. Let's go around the grounds where we talk about our Titans in reserve grade, and hopefully next season we'll have our own reserve grade side we can discuss. Um, as we both predicted last week, the winner Manly Seagulls do defeat the Magpies. I think the Magpies are a better team, but we both just saw the Broncos NRL side and knew that they don't have many players. They're all playing NRL. Um, so Seagulls win 30 to 24, which means they will meet our Bears this week, Saturday, 2 10 p.m. at UAA Park here on the Goldie. And that game is also on KO Sports for those interested. Our Titans players that are named players, we've got Tony Francis and Isaac Fa'asuamala Awi. Uh, a word on Tony Francis in particular. I think you'll have a big game here. And I think you'll be a little bit disappointed he didn't get a debut uh, last round. How do you see this one playing out? I was actually quite surprised that he didn't get a debut in the game. Obviously, we saw, I think it was Shuppie went to wing. We had AJ go to center and Keanu come into the fullback with obviously the loss of Jojo Fafita there. We yeah. were looking, we were talking last week that Tony was going to get a crack and get his opportunity. Uh, but obviously, it, it wasn't to be. And uh, I actually think that that should have been the case. I think we should have given Tony Francis that one opportunity because I believe as we spoke about he might be off contract at the end of this year so it would have been really good to, to get that last game throw him out there against a, a weaker dogs team and see if he can get it and have himself a couple of tries obviously it wasn't a B but yeah have a real good go here against the Manly Seagulls uh, obviously the Sunshine Coast Falcons and South Slogan Magpies who have been knocked out they were incredibly depleted teams and so it was Wyndham Manly but mainly South Slogan for the Broncos uh, those two teams got knocked out due to that but the Bears 
I am surprised that they're not releasing Keanu. So is Keanu definitely not playing for Burley this week? He hasn't been named, but I do wonder... Uh, Credence Toa is the fullback instead. Uh, I do wonder if there's some sort of rule preventing him. Um, but yeah, he, he's not named in their side, which is surprising. That's disappointing. You know, that is really disappointing. I don't know whose decision-making that was, or if it is just a rule. I'm, I I can't speak on behalf of that. But I would have loved it to see him do this because he has worked hard for the Bears this year. He obviously would qualify, uh, but it's just... It's something I really would have liked to have seen there with Keanu playing the team. And that's nothing against Credence, but it's just like Keanu has worked hard. He's been killing the stats there. Had a great game for the Gold Coast. Obviously, we're not playing this week in the men's. So it would have been nice to see him play there against Winner Manly. But I think we win this game. I do think the Bears win the comp this year. Uh, if they don't, it would be severely disappointing. Actually, and again, Jacob Alex on the team list either, is he? No, he's not. That's a good pickup there. And I'm, I'm looking through. They seem like they're eligible. It says... If a player's played five games in a season, regardless of how many NRLs they go on to play, they are eligible. Keanu's played 12. Not sure on how many Jake was played, but it's certainly more than five. Uh, the only exception is you can't play two different competitions on the same weekend, which, again, well, no I'm not breaking that rule. We played last week. I've got, I Honestly, I've, I don't know why they aren't named. I'd love to look into this. I'd love if any of our viewers know exactly what's happened here, but... We are missing two potentially really big players there, and I'd love to know why. And I'd love to see them here as well for their their experience and develop. You know, Jamin Jolliffe is a guy who won uh, reserve grade with Newtown Jets, and that experience helped him become a solid NRL player for us now. So these reserve grade games are really important. I can't quite understand why they're not named, but of course I will maybe, try to figure it out. Maybe it could be because, and this is just a a wild assumption. Like this is not fact by any means, but obviously Burley is becoming the Broncos next year. We are not associated with Burley from next year, but we are still Burley this year. So I really am not too sure that maybe that could impact it. Again, don't know. It's just a, a, a potential throwaway there that says. Listen, that might be the reasoning, but yeah, look, I, w- I would have loved to have seen the guys have worked hard with Billy this year to put them into the position that they are. Alec and Keanu Kenny are two guys that can absolutely win the, the host pass cup for Burley Bears this year. I'm trying to look online. I still can't see anything, so it's something that we're going to have to uh, follow up and see what's happened there. I-, I was hoping to go to the Instagram and maybe see some people commenting, where are they? But um, there was no comments on the post there, so not able to find that out. Uh, my prediction here... I'm going to go Bears 13+. plus. They did meet the Seagulls uh, basically one month ago. It was August 6th, I believe, in a regular season game. And they won 35-6. to They did win quite comfortably. I think Arlick and Kinney were probably playing that day, so that could be a, a big hole for them. Uh, but ultimately, Tyrone Roberts, a former Titan half, he leads them around the park really, really well. And they've got great experience at that level everywhere else. So I'm more than comfortable saying that they get the job done 13+. plus. What's your... I have to go 13 plus. Yeah, I'll go 13 plus because if you look at the previous meetings between the two as well, you know, Burley won 35 to 6 against Wynnum Manly in Wynnum earlier this year. And last year, they beat them 42 to 18 at Burley. So it really does show. And, and, and look at the record that the Bears have in recent weeks compared to Wynnum Manly. The Bears, 22 20 versus Pride, 35 6 against Wynnum Manly, 24 10 against the Cutters, 20 12 against the Blackhawks, and then 38 12 against the Capras, who are also in the preliminary final. On the other side of things, compare that to Wynnum Manly. They lost 35 6 to the Bears, they lost 42 30 to the Magpies. Um, they lost 41 20 to the Tigers and then one versus the Pride 15 14 and one versus the Magpies 30 24. So the form is absolutely in Burley's favour. They are really coming home strongly, won the minor premiership, 
I'll take them 13 plus. I'll take them 13 plus. I think they've been the best team in the comp this year, and I, I, I really think they'll do it. But really disappointed to not see the two Titans boys. Yeah, no, I'm still really interested in what's happened there. Usually at this point in the show, we would go into our current injury list and review our team list, go into a, a preview for our NRL game. For obvious reasons, they are all not applicable. We will have a season review coming soon. I feel like this is a good point to mention again. Any calls you guys want to see added to our show's agenda or any specific discussions you'd like to occur, please reach out to myself or Blaze, either via our social media handles or via the Gold Coast Titans frontline podcast page on uh, group rather on Facebook, which you can apply to join. And that is also the best place to ask a question as we move into our Q&A section. Our first one comes from Jesus Christ, and he's had a couple this year. I certainly could never forget a username like that. And he says, <laughs> not a question, man, but Tommy Reaver really had a trial by fire, didn't he? I'm loving the potty. And when you think about it, I think Toby probably, sorry, Tommy, his first two games were probably as tough as anyone's in the NRL. I think it was Panthers and Storm back-to-back, wasn't it? And then we saw against the Bulldogs uh, the, in his next game there, I would say a fair bit more than what we saw against the Storm and the Bulldogs, just due to the, uh, sorry, Storm and Panthers, just due to their exceptional defense. But we also saw from Tommy, most importantly, is his courage to play on with a pretty nasty laceration on the face there. And that bruising looked like he'd been hit by Mike Tyson in his prime. Uh, Very, very brave to play on there. So I really can't say more positive things for Tommy. I love what I saw from him in limited time. We did see him this year. He was great at reserve grade level. And I absolutely think he's put himself in the frame to be our first picked backup half under any circumstance in 2024. Going to pass over to you, your chance to uh, give young Tommy a wrap. He's a warrior, man. The big old Tommy Wheeler. He is an absolute warrior. Not a New Zealand warrior, just an absolute warrior as a bloke. Honestly, look, Tanner's been great and he will be our halfback to start off the year next year. I think Desi will love him. But also, Tommy just showed that he could be a Desi kind of player too with the work ethic that he showed in that game. So I think that definitely Tanner has earned the the jersey for next year to start off with, absolutely. And I do believe he will go on with it. But how good is it to have the depth of a Tommy Weaver there uh, that is going to really push Tanner for that jersey? Like Tanner's got to keep playing at such a high level to maintain the seven, to hold it off from a guy of Tommy Weaver who is going to keep doing the exact same thing. It's something that you need at a club to keep pushing players to continue their success and their form. Um, so it's something that is, is brilliant. Um, and, and look, obviously, we had Toby there. He's gone the Bulldogs. I got into him this week. <laughs> I got into him this week, but he loved it. Um, you know, but I, I, I don't ultimately think that we made any kind of wrong decision there. I think that Tommy is our future, and Tanner is our guy, and it's just going to be a really good time under Desi Hasler with these two guys going forward. What's so exciting, too, about with Des Hasler, no one at Manly and the Dogs when he was there really ever got picked without putting in the hard work. You know, really, uh, Tony Williams, T-Rex at the Bulldogs at back row, is the only player I can think that Des Hasler has ever really picked off reputation. Everyone else has absolutely had to earn their jersey, and what that creates is that healthy competition in the preseason where you know Tommy and Tanner are pushing themselves to be the absolute best they can be every day. The same healthy competition we have at fullback 24 is so exciting. Our next question comes from B4, the GOAT, and he says, if you could sign any player on the open market, who would it be? Uh, we have answered this one in the past. My answer hasn't changed too much. 2024, we've got one player coming in. That's Keenan Policia, and we have two off-contract players currently. That's Tony Francis and Joseph Vuna. Our losses this year and next year combined are Aaron Booth, Patrick Herbert, Cruz Leeming, Ben Liu, 
Sammy McIntyre, Thomas McKayley, and Toby Sexton. Oh, sorry, I've got to say this as well. I'm sorry to keep ragging on. Our re-signed Tanner Boyd, Jaden Campbell, Tino, David Feeder, Jamin Jolliffe, Brian Kelly, Khan Pereira, Chris Randall, Philip Sammy, Sam Verrills. And that's why I think we don't need to sign anyone, Blaze. Like, we literally have locked up the bulk of our squad right there. I'm saying we don't need to sign anyone. I'm really happy if we just keep this recruitment, uh, sorry, this retention drive we've got going with any players we need to. Um, and I'm happy to leave it at that. Are you, are you seeing it the same way, Scott? I would see it the same way. I think that, like, look, if, if we're looking into an ideal world of, like, a, a potentially available player, not, like, a clear or anything like that, I would love a guy like a Jakey Trebojevic. Like, Jakey Trebojevic is a really defensively solid player with experience in that 13 role. I think that that would be fantastic. But with that being said, I don't think it's a necessity. I think that I actually do like Aaron Clark there. I think that Jacob Alex is a nice little youngster coming through. Um, Isaac Liu still has a, an extra year on the, on the contract there. I'm not too sure if Desi's going to be selecting him, though. But like in, a, in an ideal world, would you say no to a guy like Jake Jaboyevich? No, but I think we also have to be realistic and balance the salary cap where we probably can't afford another million-dollar player. Um, like Certainly, if we can answer this player, well, this says if you could sign any player. So theory-wise... I'm trying to think, what's like a position? You'd, you'd probably just go halfback Nathan Cleary. Um, mm. Yeah, I think you'd probably just go halfback Nathan Cleary. He's the best halfback in the world for a reason. So I think it literally, gun to my head, you must sign one player to win the premiership next year. I'm probably going to go Nathan Cleary. Um, do you see it that way as well? Have you got someone else in mind? No, I think Monster? it has it. No, <laughs> oh, Monster's in good shape. Monster's a good shape. Then again, we yeah. have... We have Foz there. Like, imagine Cleary and Foz going off each other there. You know, the experience yeah. of Foz, but also the experience of Cleary. I think it would be brilliant. But again, we're just kind of, you know, <laughs> talking here for no apparent reason because we're exactly. not signing Cleary, you know what I'm saying? And, and let's go to 2024 quickly, if I might. Our players that are off contract that year, as far as my comments of retention continuing, Jacob Arlick has a club option. Ryan Foran is signed for one more year, as is Cleese Haas. Uh, we also have, just scrolling down here, sorry guys, Tremaine Spry, Joe Stimson, Tommy Weaver, and you mentioned Isaac Liu, of course. So there's a few players there that I'd like to see as throughout the season. Didn't realize that, I didn't realize Jacob Outlook had a, had a, had a club option. I, I didn't know that. So that's actually really good because obviously there's been reports that Super League want him and whatnot. So if the club wants him, then they'll keep him. And, and I like that. Yeah. So yeah, we haven't heard any reports any since those rumors came out. Uh, and, and every time I speak to Jacob, he seems very happy here. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that we have a club option. Hands off Hull FC. And to anyone from the Titans that may or may not be listening right now, activate that option ASAP, please. We do not want to lose someone like Alec who's playing Unreal for us. Our next question comes from Cody Wake. And he says, who do we think will have the biggest improvement under Desi next year? I think to answer this, Blaze, you've got to really think, what makes Des Hasler a great coach. And looking back from previous uh, seasons he's had, I don't think he's like a magnificent mastermind like a Craig Bellamy. I don't think he's a magnificent people person like a Wayne Bennett. I think he's the sort of coach that keeps you honest and makes sure you're always giving 100%. So when I, when I look to answer that question, that's something I have in mind. Who's a player that we really want to be pushed every day at training to be their absolute best under Des Hasler. Tino, realistically, I probably like it'd be pretty hard for him to improve. I think he's already the third best prop. I think he could maybe overtake AFB. Uh, Haas would probably remain the best. 
Bowie Firma might find his way into Marone's jersey. Jojo Fafita. You look at some of the outside backs Desi had at the Seagulls, like where Brad Parker went from a relatively fringe player to a solid defensive center under him. Kieran Foran would be a great shout uh, just because they have such a close relationship. Fodawaka, probably not so much. He's already pretty much at his peak, as is Jimmy Joloff. Could you say a Cleese Haas, potentially? He already works. You know, he's already got that hard edge about what he does, though. As does Chrissy Randall, Shoppy, Sami, Verrills. I'm going to say, if I've got to lock someone in right now, Jaden Campbell. And this is because I'm starting to get, or maybe I'm, maybe this is in my own head, but I'm starting to see a world where Desi sees that last game from Brimo. He goes, yep, we've got a center there. I like him. Solid defensively, can shift around the back line, hooker, halves, fullback as required as did Ruben Garrick for him at the Seagulls. So you're there, Brimo. I think he might look at uh, Jaden and see a lot of Tom Travojevic, just straight X factor, that with the right game plan around him, sides simply cannot plan for it and cannot contain it. He's just got that spur-of-the-moment brilliance, like a Cameron Munster in origin that no one sees coming. Jaden has that from what I've seen. So I'll lock in Jaden for my answer, even though I went through half the roster to get to it. Um, who are you locking in for yours? <laughs> I was going to say JC as well. I think that he's the okay. guy that... And, and originally, I was going to say AJ Brimson back a few weeks ago. But now that I do think that... Look, Desi has been tinkering and has been seeing what AJ's like in centre. And I think that you, you do like him in centre there. I think that he's kind of, uh, you know, moved away from what we would have seen with like a Tommy Tavoyevich kind of comparison. And I think JC can be that guy. I do think one that is underrated here that no one's really talking about could be a huge improver under a real mad scientist, Desi Hasler, you know, game plan, is actually Aaron Shoop. I think Shoopy could be a massive benefit to the game style that Desi Hasler plays. You know, obviously the Bulldogs, while Shoopy came in, was after Desi Hasler was there, but also it was still kind of, you know, the, the, the same similar process that was there under Desi Hasler when Shoopy was there. I do think that his kind of game plan could really benefit a guy like Aaron, who came in as a defensive specialist. People love to really pick apart Shoopy, and... I think it's fair game in regards to his attacking options, maybe. I do think that his attacking options have not been at their peak. You know, I love Shrippy. He's a good mate of mine. But, you know, I do have to be honest here on the podcast as well. But defensively, he's not actually missing that many tackles. Like that Sharks game, I saw people ripping into him for his defense when he actually missed no tackles in that game. So, look, I don't think that Shrippy's had a great year. I'm not saying that at all. I think he's probably been one of our weaker plays this year, but I do think he could have a bounce back under the likes of Desi Asla. So I'll throw JC out there, which is a, pre, a kind of obvious one. As an underdog one, I think Shuppy could be that guy. That's a great underdog pick there for sure. I'm going through the Seagulls roster. I think most of the players that improved under Des were forwards, which is exciting for us because we do have a lot of young forwards. You think Close someone up. like Sipley? Yeah. Um, but looking at Manly's um, sides, you've got Paseca and Kepi. They both certainly went to a new level in the front row under him. Um, someone like Lachlan Croker improved at hooker. That could really benefit Sammy Verrills there. Ola Kawatu, of course, improved under him. Um, and then backs-wise, I think someone like Morgan Harper. Like, he's literally unwanted in the NRL at the moment. He was playing somewhat solid there. Like, people will give him a lot of crap, but he wasn't playing bad. Um, neither was Brad Parker when, when he was in the centres there for them. So Desi has improved. Ruben Garrick, another one. Sorry, how could I forget? He... Uh, had a monstrous season, his best season on the Des Hasler. 
So there's a lot of players that certainly could improve. The future's just so damn exciting. I literally wish I could wake up tomorrow and the 2024 season be kicking off um, and our pre-season and everything already well, occurred. I will say this, though. like how It's going to be exciting talking about it on the podcast. We have a podcast here now where we'll be talking everything like in the pre-season about what, you know, what's going on and whatnot. So I'm, I'm really keen to, uh, to, for, for, for next season to come along because obviously, yeah, look, we love the footy, but... It's going to be such a really fun preseason. Hearing what Desi has to say, obviously we'll be talking to the boys and whatnot, and it's uh, it's going to be a real good time. So yeah, twenty twenty four can't come quick enough. Certainly, and we'll have fun with the podcast as well in the off season. Um, this is actually our final question. It comes from Joy again. He says, "I recall you wanted to cement the podcast first, but a chance for interviews in the off season, um, and so that leads us to our content plan for the off season, which we haven't quite fleshed out yet. But certainly, there's opportunities for player interviews as we head into the preseason." We might dedicate a topic to who's going to be our best player this year, who's going to be our most improved player, predictions for that. We might even do a Titans draft where we draft all-time players. We could do Titans trivia where we put each other up question for question and see who strikes out first. <laughs> There's a few different fun options we can yeah, come up that's with. Actually, that's a fun one, man. That'd be a good one. That'd be That's quite funny to do like a Titans trivia where we both are just trying to basically... Uh, Trying to make the other one miss. That'd be quite funny, yeah. actually. So, yeah, let's do it. Early word, uh, I suck at trivia. So, uh, I can see you absolutely smoking me there. Um, if, if I go, oh, my camera's disconnected and I'm taking a while, I'm definitely not Googling the answer. Uh, but, no, so we don't have a specific content plan fleshed out just yet for the off-season, but we will have content on a more sporadic basis than our current weekly arrangement. But certainly once 2024 rolls around, um, just as we continue our push to the premiership, we continue our push uh, to be the best possible Titans podcast that we can um, for all of you. But uh, over to you for a final word on any content plan ideas you might have for the offseason. Pretty much the same as what you've got, man. Obviously, we, we, we speak about this off uh, off the podcast, but as a brief, yeah, like he was saying, we do have like players that we can talk to. We do have good connections with the boys and whatnot. You see them on the vlogs all the time, and they respect what we do. You know, this club is a community-based club. It's it's really good to see, you know, certain aspects really uh, really respecting the the social scene of, of people like myself and Clarky. Uh, the front line and whatnot, really uh, dedicating all our time and efforts into to providing pro- a positive thought process around this club, despite the fact of the negativity and whatnot. So, you know, yeah, look, the draft is fun. We've done it before, but it'd be good to do it now as well. Um, I really, I do look forward to that trivia one where we're not going to have any idea, but we'll do our best and see see what we can crack on with. But yeah, look, if you guys have any ideas, drop it on the the YouTube below in the comment section or uh, or message, obviously. Uh, myself, Big House Sport, or Clark on Clark's Double E column, or the, the Facebook group, which is the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast uh, Facebook group. Jump on there. And don't be afraid to use that as well. Like, I see that obviously some people think that it's just like a place we share stuff. You can feel free to drop whatever you want there so that we can talk about the, the, the club that we all love. So, um, yeah, look, it's uh, it, it's good good signs. We've got some something good going forward. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what the boys have to say about what Desi has is going to put them through in the offseason. Yeah, everything Titans-related right now is so exciting, whether it's the future for our NRL side, our current NRLW side that looks on track to make it to the finals this year, or our Bears side that is literally about to play to get into the grand final there, which we'll then see on the NRL grand final day as well. It's all super exciting stuff. We both want to say thank you very much to everyone for being here with us for this show, and we look forward to seeing you again next week to recap an NRLW victory, hopefully. Um, But, yeah, best of luck to our Bears and Titans this week. That's all from myself. Thank you very much, and over to you, Blaze, to say farewell to our listeners. 
I want to say thank you to everybody uh, for this season. It's been a, a long season. If you had seen me post on the Facebook groups and Instagram or whatnot, you know, your support is valuable. You are valued to this club, whether you live uh, interstate, intercity, just no matter what, whether you can get to games or you can't, your support is valued. And we need people like you who listen in and, and watch on and, and really get around the community of the Gold Coast Titans to really just keep on doing that because every single time I see you guys when I've been in Townsville or Melbourne or Canberra or Sydney or Newcastle, Brisbane, Gold Coast, no matter where it is, maybe New Zealand next year, who knows? But no matter where it is, your support is what reinvigorates my passion and I would assume Clarkie as well, you know, and the front line. And the fact of the matter is, is that you are very appreciated as a Titans fan going through a real tough time with this club. But we come together as a community. We still have a great time. We still support each other. And that is the main thing. So obviously, hit that like button. Subscribe if you're new around here. Uh, we'll see you guys next week for the NRLW chat, uh, plus hopefully the Bears win, because we know the Titans women's going to win. Gee whiz, it's not even a question there. And then uh, we'll also do a bit of a, a review on the season, like individual play-by-play or something like that. So, like I said, we appreciate you. You are valued, and uh, we'll see you next week. Let's go, girls. Come on, girls. Really girls. The squeals. I want them to squeal, son. I want them to squeal. Premiership muscle. Premiership muscle.